very special episode of Raw Tools as we're bringing on the founder of Studio Soapbox Network. I thought this would be a good way to start the new year, kind of give a state of the podcast. And who better to bring it on than Tyler Jones? He runs the flagship show of Studio Soapbox, The Jones Report. Tyler, how are you? Look, doing well. This is the opposite of usually how this goes. Usually it's me bringing you in, but uh, always a pleasure, my friend, and a great way to start out 2022. And, and how long have you been hosting the Jones Report for? So I started the Jones Report. This is going into its 11th season of the show. So about 10 and a half years ago is when the Jones Report officially started. And uh, it's been great to do this show. You know, we, we've done it a variety of ways over that stretch, whether it was a everyday format or a live video stream. But for about the last six years or so, it's been a weekly podcast and uh, bringing on all sorts of guests, and, you know, for two hours each week, you know, just sitting down and catching up on what uh, people care about here in, in the Midwest, you know, and that's been our focus is Big 12 country and and uh, myself, and Thomas Bridges and Coach Bo, Brian O'Connor with you each and every week. And and then, uh, you know, this past year, we expanded the network as a whole to bring in other shows. Uh, we started the uh, Let's Go Racing podcast with NASCAR driver David Starr, and he's had a lot of success with that show and great to see what that's done. We've done a few live shows it's after some different races this year on site. And then your show and Coach Bo's show, we have about four shows in the network right now with more shows on the way. So definitely excited about where the network is at and where we're going at this point. Ten and a half years hosting the show. At what point, Tyler, did you start to feel the traction and success that it could turn into something much bigger than when it started? Well, I felt like for me it was when we started bringing in high-caliber guests. Uh, one of those first guests I was able to bring on the first year was uh, the, uh, the the racing legend Mario Andretti. He came on. Uh, Olympic gold medalist Christian Leitner came on. Um, those were guys just went our first within our first year that uh, had no idea who I was, but you know explained what I was doing. I was 15 years old at that point in time, and I was bringing those guys on my show. So that's when I saw that this could have some potential, really turn into something. And and from doing that show, it led to so many other opportunities. Uh, you know, with some freelance work here and there, and you know, landing a few jobs along the way and such. That uh, it's kind of always been the foundation of. Even though I've gone off and you know I've moved twice since the show launched um that we've still found our footing that's been the establishment that's opened the door up for so many things it's worth noting for people who are listening to tyler for the first time he is also the anchor of local news live which is owned by gray television syndicated on roku devices mobile apps i believe it's on cable too as well right uh no, no we're not on cable we're just streaming uh but we're streaming 24 7 365 days a year on stations Coast to coast, uh, about over 100 stations. Greg just purchased uh, the Meredith Corporation. So we just added markets in Kansas City and Atlanta and Phoenix, just to name a few. So, yeah, part of a, a big company and uh, this project for about a year now in Omaha. And we've seen a lot of success already with uh, with this organization. So certainly glad to be a part of it. Purchased the Meredith TV station in St. Louis as well, because I got yes. a bunch of emails about that from the powers that be. Local news, man. That's uh, that's something else. That's a whole another story. Gee, we can get into that in a second. Uh, you mentioned interviewing Christian Leitner in your first year. You said, I think on Twitter, that one of your goals for this coming year is to interview Charles Barkley. How are we going to make that happen? 
That's a good question. Somebody asked me, uh, you know, who's somebody you want to talk to in 2022? And and uh, I was thinking of all the names that would come to mind. And and uh, Charles Barkley was one of them. Now, I've talked to Charles in a in a group setting, you know, in, in a press pool of sorts at the Final Four several years ago, but never one on one. And when I think about what our country is going through right now, this intersection between sports and politics and race issues and several other things, I don't think there's a better person to talk about all of that than Sir Charles himself. And we know that he's not afraid to hold back. So uh, that's the number one guy I want to talk to right now and get his perspective on just all that and where we're at as a country and where we're headed as a society. Um, because, you know, we, we, we live in this world that we've been told, Luke, that we need to stick to sports or whatever. But Charles certainly has never abide by that and, and really let people know how he thinks on anything. And that's one of the biggest things I respect about him is that he doesn't hold back. He tells it like it is. And and uh, that's how I love to be, too, is just be open, be an honest book with, with people and let them know how I feel. Now, you know, there are some things that I can't completely go out there. You know, I'm not going to give uh, opinions on, uh, you know, partisan politics of some sorts, but a guy like Charles uh, can say whatever he wants in that front. So that's why I'd love to talk, talk to Sir Charles. He doesn't hold back. However, he's very personal about it, too. I don't know of many people who get legitimately scared or irate at Charles Barkley, even when he expresses his opinion on some controversial issues. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's he he uh, he gets personal about it um, in, in a way that we all can relate one way or the other. And, you know, one of the things that I appreciate when I have guests on or listen to other shows and such is that you want to hear from people that aren't talking down to you. You want to hear from people that relate to you. You know, have that conversation like you're sharing a drink at the bar or something. That's the best format of whether it's podcasts or TV or radio. You want to feel like you're a part of the conversation. Speaking of people talking down to other people, you got into a Twitter fight with uh, my radio dad, Colin Coward. I didn't know he was your radio dad. <laughs> I just, That's a new he's, one. I've, I've gone on dates before. One in particular, there was this uh, gal who used to live are, in Tulsa. Are, did you date Cowherd's daughter? No. <laughs> Cowherd? No, no, no. Out of my age range. Out okay. of my age bracket. Um, well, no. Um, but in terms of, uh, there's this gal, she goes to law school now at UVA, but she was in Tulsa for a little while. And we went on a date and she mentioned that she had a thing for Colin. And then she like kind of turned it back on me. And she was like, you kind of look like him too. Which in terms of like voice, um, jawline uh size no n- none of it so i was i was very confused that would be a turn like, off right away if i was like okay i can I'd, work with this i, I gotta say sound like colin gallard I'd, I'd, I'd have to end the date right then yeah i gotta i would i would have to start saying always like that and kind of doing the what aaron Rodgers says and, and kind of going up into that high squeaky yeah, pitch so so i did get in a, a little bit of a twitter feud with with cowherd this week and and uh you know colin's a guy that I grew up listening to watching him uh, all the way back on ESPNU and such, you know, and, and uh, you know, saw his rise to where he's at now and had a lot of respect for, for him for a long time. But then um, as he went to, went to Fox and made some other things, like there was just a lot of ridiculous, outrageous takes that he was saying, drawing attention to himself. And that's kind of where the national sports media has gone. It's so much about getting clips clicks and, and, uh, you know, so much stage stuff and, and a lot of it is all based on the NFL and the NBA. No one cares about college football or major league baseball or golf or NASCAR. No, nobody even talks about that in the national media. And it's because of people like Colin and, 
Skip Bayless and others that have, uh, you know, Stephen A. Smith who have put the conversation one way and not opened up things to another. And that just gets real old. Um, you know, Colin is a guy, he is a tremendous talent. I don't think anybody can argue that, but um, I, I do think that his head's not in the right space a lot of times. And, and uh, the point that he was bringing up was that he thought it was BS how Oklahoma fans handled Lincoln Riley leaving Norman and that the schools controlled the narrative and the messaging and that you didn't see this when Brady Hoke left Michigan or Ron Zook left Florida. And the point I was making was, I said, you know, basically what it came down to was um, you know, he, he was trying to say that, you know, it was small time of Oklahoma to do things the way they did. And I said, well, it's not that he left. It's the way he left. The fact that Lincoln Riley in two of their last three games, they lost and they looked so last lackadaisical, um, played uninspired football when the coach had one foot out the door that falls on the head coach. That was my biggest issue with him leaving was that he was not putting his best foot forward. And that whole season, they looked that way. So um, Colin, you know, he's, he's a USC guy. He's going to defend LA and such. So, uh, you know, I, I get where he's coming from. You know, he's, he wants to be friends with Lincoln Riley and all that. And by all means, sure, I get it. But let's not hide from the reality of it that Lincoln Riley was not giving its best effort. Look at the bowl game against Oregon just a couple nights ago. That Bob Stoops coach team, those guys played, they had a lot of heart. They played inspired football. That was almost as good as any performance I've seen out of an Oklahoma team all year, and yet they were shorthanded. Yeah, um, a lot of heart played like a Bob Stoops coach team, like a like a Oklahoma team of yore. I, I, it's funny you mentioned the comparisons were just god awful between Ron Zook and Brady Hoka. I was like, those coaches got fired. Like, like that's right. not if you want to talk about a lateral move, like there's one like in your this might not even be the best one, but like less miles going from Oklahoma State to LSU, like kind of that not lateral move, but kind of like leaving without getting can sort of thing. Which right. I one thing I pointed to was uh, Kelvin Sampson. He left Oklahoma for Indiana, left the school on probation. But probably 90 to 95 percent of Oklahoma fans still respect the hell out of Kelvin Sampson for what he did for that program where he took him, getting him to a final four and such. Um, you know, Kelvin is welcome back at Norman at any time. Um, you know, his son, Kellen, of course, ended up going to school there and such. So to try to say that, you know, that Oklahoma was small time and all this, how they handled things, you know, uh, it's just simply not true. It's, it's a lazy take. And that's where the sports media has gone. These, these talking heads is all these lazy takes time and time again. It's all about impressions. And really, like with the way SEO is optimized, I just have to type Antonio Brown's full name today and I'll get you know, 600 impressions, like right off the bat, which that's the way things are going. And in terms like for Coward, he is notorious for talking smack about Baker Mayfield and Russell Westbrook, which will get you booted out of Oklahoma, like nine times out of 10, like the two sacred athletes of the last decade just can't do it. That's awful. Speaking of Oklahoma, you started a mini Twitter war not too long ago in professing your love for your native Tulsa. Uh, you're from Broken Arrow saying that it is the superior city to Oklahoma City. Why? So let, let me give context, a little background story in all this. Um, so this was, let's see now, what, a week and a half, two weeks ago. I uh, went home for Christmas and on Saturday night, had a great time in Tulsa and going to places like Valkyrie and 
Hotel Indigo and a few others. A very nice night on the town. Um, everybody loves a good night in Tulsa. You can't have a bad night in downtown Tulsa. Um, enjoyed myself, you know, with my friends and met some very nice women and such. It was all great. Um, well, then a couple of days later, I, uh, I went on a date with this girl in Oklahoma City. And uh, this was, you know, pre-planned when I got back to town and such. I'd go see her and, and uh, you know, meet up for dinner in Bricktown and go do, ne- do something, whatever. Well, I get to Bricktown. And I got there early, as any man should for a date. You make sure you're, you know, it's better be early than, than be late. And so I start walking around Bricktown, trying to think of what we could do afterwards and such. And it was very underwhelming. There wasn't a whole lot of options. Then the day goes on. It wasn't that great. Um, you know, she's not, I bet she's not listening. So it doesn't matter if I say this. Oh, she wasn't, is. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, wasn't that great, you know, and, and uh, I drove back to uh, Tulsa that night. Um, and as I was driving, I was having those thoughts again, like, yeah, that was kind of underwhelming. There wasn't much there. And, and uh, so I'm like, you know what, let's take to Twitter. And so as I'm driving, and this is a lesson, don't, don't tweet and drive, you know, like I did. Um, otherwise, you might, you know, blow up the Internet. Um, and I just said how I felt that, you know, hey, I love both places. I do. I'm proud to be from here. But, you know, Tulsa's a better city than Oklahoma City. That uh, It's got better culture. And uh, that apparently just blew up the Internet. Uh, I've had all sorts of people still in my inbox and in my mentions and such. And, and uh, just let them know, you know. And, and then a lot of people agreed, too. I mean, I heard from anyone and everyone from – media and Oklahoma City and Tulsa and NFL players like Chris Harris and such. I mean, everybody had an opinion one way or the other. I didn't realize I was starting a culture war here. I thought I was ending the culture war, deciding it once and for all. That's crazy because for me, like I just spent New Year's down in Oklahoma City, in Bricktown in particular, and I absolutely loved it. And I've been I've been for weekends and on work assignments back when I worked at Fox and and did all that stuff down near Norman, which is a little bit south, but still like that greater Oklahoma City area is so full of culture because of the people that they bring in. Like you you meet so many people from other cultures, from other walks of life. And having lived in Tulsa for two and a half years, again, I agree. I love it. I love the town. I love the pace of life. I would recommend it to anyone who wants a change of pace. But it's more of like the illusion of culture and like the surface level this part of town is dedicated to, you know, this group of people and, and this is the artwork that these people do, but it's, it doesn't go much deeper than that. And I think from my nights on the town in Tulsa, of which there have been several poor ones, like it, it you don't get a whole diversity. You just get hipster culture. Yeah. I can see where you're coming from. Hipster culture is not a bad thing either though. Uh, I, I saw you got a, Shake your head a bit when I mentioned the words Valkyrie and the Hotel Indigo and so a sort of sorts. Maybe that's where you're going for. If if your best venue downtown is the top of a hotel, a bar at the top of the hotel, something is amiss. That's all I'm saying. It's a heck of a bar. It's fine. It's totally fine. It's a good view. Love it when there's fireworks. Um, it's like 200 feet of space. It's I don't know. I was just in uh, at Dollhouse in Bricktown for New okay. Year's. Know how to throw a party, for sure. Um, and, and like I said, you know, I, I love both cities. I do. Um, you know, I'm proud to be from Oklahoma and such. But you know, I like Tulsa more. You know, and and that's okay. Diversity, different opinions. 
I, I would always, my answer to this would always be not Lawton because I don't think anything west of Oklahoma City really exists. I've never been that far. I know there's a town called Weatherford down the highway, but I've never been anywhere. I drove through the panhandle one time and I'm like, are we sure this is part of Oklahoma? I thought this was New Mexico. Um, yeah, I, I, I will say that, you know, when you get out of Tulsa and Oklahoma City, you're, you're basically not in Oklahoma anymore at that point. Uh, Lawton. I did see something, um, you know, there was a state rep that was wanting to name a small piece of highway after Lincoln Riley called Lincoln. Why don't we just name the town of Lawton after him? Call it Lincoln. <laughs> Again, I've never been to Lawton. I've heard of its existence. I'm sure there are people. We've had listeners and downloads from Lawton too, so hello. But I, I don't know much about it. And when you get out into the panhandle, you enter Texas County. So who's to say? Um, moving on. Uh, finish the sentence. The road to the AFC goes through Kansas City, Missouri. <clears throat> Wrong answer. I didn't like what I saw today against Cincinnati for a lot of reasons, but I don't think that one game defines this Kansas City Chiefs team. Um, the offense is great. The defense was so good up until uh, Sunday when uh, they lost lost Cincinnati there. They're just going to make a few adjustments here and there. Maybe don't put, you know, single coverage on Jamar Chase from time to time. Um, but I like this Chiefs team. They look complete uh, on both sides of the ball. A lot better than what they were, you know, two months ago. So I, th- I think this Chiefs team is the one to beat. And, you know, we, we hear this big deal about, you know, being the one seed and all this, you know, which looks like, you know, they got their backs against the wall at this point, trying to be the one seed with the Titans in uh, that position there. Remember, last year the, the Bucks went through the whole playoffs as a wildcard team playing an extra game, playing on the road the entire time. It's not the end of the world if you don't get that first round by. I think this Chiefs team is going to be okay. If the season ended today, they would be playing the Colts. Seven seed, I'm pretty sure. Or Chargers are still in progress as of the recording of this. But Against yeah. Carson Wentz, I'll take that every day. We will Bring see. Bring on Carson. I love Please. that Jonathan Taylor guy. That running I back. Do too. Yeah. I do too. He's best back in football right now. Mm-hmm. Until the Titans get Derrick Henry back, which is why the road to the AFC goes through Nashville. Who's to say he's going to be the same player again? That we don't know. That's fair. How limited is Derrick Henry going to be? I'm not going to put all my cards on the Titans with a limited Derrick Henry. I can't trust that. Yeah. And Tannehill hasn't played that great either this year. He's been struggling. Which is what makes this all the more fascinating. Head, I mean, Tannehill is what, the worst boy. season he's had in the last three years? <laughs> yeah, back to the Adam Gase years. That's um, that's a huge shout-out to Vrabel, Mike Vrabel for what, what they're doing there. Um, reason I wanted to have you on is because you're kind of the czar of Studio Soapbox Network. You've brought in all these great shows. You're expanding. You've got some great things going on in your career. And before we talk a little bit about my podcast, I wanted to focus on you this is a time of New Year's resolutions. What are you planning on achieving this year? Well, uh, my friends uh, back home uh, have told me I'm not longer allowed to drink Fireball anymore. Um, so that's my first uh, resolution, I guess, of uh, 2022 is a ban on Fireball. No more Fireballs and Dr. Pepper at the bar. Uh, I'm too old to be drinking Fireballs, what I've been told. So uh, that's the first. But after that, you know, uh, I-, I want – to continue to, you know, grow as an individual and as a talent and make myself better each and every day. I was 
I was trying to think of a, a theme for, for 2022, and I, I believe this is the year of the breakthrough. I think there's going to be a lot of things, both for this network and myself, that um, where I'm at right now is going to look totally different than 20, at the end of 2022. There's going to be some breakthroughs coming in uh, a lot of different ways and, and uh, stuff that I have in mind and stuff that other people have in mind that are going to come into fruition and, and uh, just see those doors open, you know, and, and uh, you know, see things that don't seem like reality become reality of some sort. So that's what I'm looking at. 2022 is going to be a year of breakthrough uh, for me and this company both. Besides abstaining from fireball, what will you do differently this year from last year? Um, you know, I would say that uh, things I, I want to do differently. Um, you know, I, I want to, you know, stay in better touch with uh, people everywhere. You know, I mean, I, we've, I've created somewhat of a bubble of some sorts of between my close contacts who, you know, I, I talk to you know, a lot within the week or so, but really just kind of expand off, expand my branches a bit and really, uh, you know, maybe talk to old friends I haven't seen in a while or, or such, you know, just make a point to, to be there, to be present. And I think that's one thing that we all look at, you know, one thing that we all could do better probably is just being present. That's what I want to do more of is be more present in people's lives and such. That's one of my themes for this year is just cultivating my presence where my feet are, just kind of being present in the moment and giving my best where I am, not trying to focus on, you know, being outside of Oklahoma or being outside of where I am. I'm just giving the best that I can. And it's crazy because one of the things, one of my 2020 goals uh, before everything went to hell was I wanted to set aside time and visit like each of the, my friends who were across the country, either in South Carolina or in Colorado and try to, you know, set aside weekends for them, just make them know that they were important to me and, and continue to build on the foundations of the relationships that I had built. And then I, ever since then, you know, travel has been kind of difficult. So that is, um, that's been on my mind and on my heart and something that I'll be trying to do this year. And you mentioned the year of the breakthrough. Um, this is a time of change, particularly with this podcast. Right now we're looking to be I don't want to say picked up, but added to um, a website, particularly to to have this podcast monetized, um, which would be a big deal. And uh, trying to go through a little bit of a rebrand, both in the logo and the content and trying to make the best of this podcast, make it the ultimate version that it can be. So it's very kind of up in the air. It's kind of jumbled right now. You've been doing this for 10 years. What would your advice be to someone who is trying to navigate their way through all these potential changes and trying to make this part of a profession? I would say don't be afraid to make mistakes. Don't fear failure. Um, you know, that's one thing is I'd love to take chances, see what works and what doesn't work. And, you know, I've, I've pissed some people off doing that, you know, along the way. Um, probably made some enemies uh, by doing things my way. And uh, being willing to take a gamble, take a, take a chance. You know, I, I mean, I've always lived my life and everything I, I do. I'm not afraid to fall on my face because I know that I'll get right back up, get on that saddle again and get to work. And so what I would say, whether it's you or anyone else in those, you know, those shoes, take some chances, see what works. And if it doesn't, then get right back up and try something else and see what happens again. You, you can't fear failure. And I think that's one thing in our society, you know, when, when, uh, you know, as we've gone through this pandemic, you know, all these Corona bros out there are, you know, been 
in living in fear so much. And, uh, you know, I, I would just say, you know, don't live in fear, be willing to, uh, take some chances and, and, uh, and, and see what works and such, you know, can't, we can't fear failure in, uh, in what we do, you know, you have to take steps forward and, and uh, continue to, to move on. And when you struggle, just bounce back and right back out again, don't, don't get discouraged and prove some people wrong. You know, if you've got some haters, some doubters out there, you know, use it as motivation, use it to your help of sorts. We mentioned the, the plight of local news early on, and you haven't really touched a lot of it. You're in a unique situation out there in Omaha. But for me, a, a lot of the mindset and kind of the, the fear they instill in their young employees is that you're not allowed to make mistakes or else it, it's you know a fatal shot. My first boss in Knoxville, Tennessee, pulled me aside I was on the job for maybe a couple months and I'd had kind of a bad shift. It was a kind of a tight turnaround for a high school football game. And uh, I had a hard time getting my stuff together on one of my first ever uh, game packages. And she was like, you are not allowed to have a bad day here ever. And that was kind of the, the, the tight shift that she ran was just like, if you stumble, you have hell to pay. And really, I mean, whether it's, you know, just my upbringing as a journalist and like, not expressing your opinions at the local level or, you know, censoring yourself, kind of holding back on what might be more suggestive or um, controversial opinions, not saying anything crass or anything, you know, despicable or hateful, but something that's just kind of outside the norm uh, th that is drilled into you. And, and having done it now for seven years with kind of eyes on you, uh, you always, you look to self-censor you, you look to, uh, kind of hold back and have the more polished and, and, and readily available version of yourself. And that did carry into the first 10 episodes of this podcast. Um, eventually, you know, I wanted to translate to uh, translate to video and, and put this out here for a more sociable, you know, snackable type of video, kind of a video form podcast. And the perfectionism really got to me, whether it was trying to look my best, trying to perform my best, try to, to talk, like I would if I were doing a hit on television. And it gave me this whole sense of performance anxiety that I look back on the first few episodes that we did and I loved the people who were on and I loved their contributions. But I look at myself and I was like, this is a guy who's caged. This is a guy who, who needs to do better and, and be a little bit more loose, be a little bit more free because I do want to be on air. That is something I'm trying to manifest here in 2022 uh, in conjunction with all the other jobs and, and freelance gigs I got going on. Um, but that is something that, that really kind of stuck with me is that uh, I don't have to look my best every time. Right. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right about that. That, um, you know, I always tell people all the time, no one's better at being you than you. And, you know, you got to make yourself, you know, feel proud and feel happy and, you know, something that you want to accomplish each day for, for yourself. And, you know, I mean, I look at every day with my job, um, I'm going out there and, you know, there's so many people that have helped me along the way. Uh, I owe it to them to, you know, be the best version of me out there. You know, since they helped me, I want to make them proud. And if I'm miserable and not doing what I want, then that's no fun. You know, they, they, I'm sure they want me to see, want to see me doing it, uh, living up to the fullest, you know, the best version of myself. And uh, so that's what I try to put out there each day is just you know, be myself and, and uh, you know, make it all work and you know, be a good team player and such. And 
and uh, go from there. So that's what I look at, Luke. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's two-edged sword. It can be tough to kind of unleash. you got to walk a fine line of sorts at times. But at the end of the day, um, it's all worth it, quite frankly. Do you ever have a voice that's not yours in the back of your head? Yeah, I would say I do. Uh, sometimes uh, kind of, you know, keeping you on your toes of some sorts, you know, kind of second-guessing yourself of some sorts. Kind of, you know, you got to tone that down at times. All my live hits when I was at Fox and my podcast hits and really every tweet and Instagram post I put out, I always view it through the lens of my talent coach, Jill Montgomery. Like in the back of my head, I'll, I'll try to predict her reaction or like see what she thinks, which is why I'm like editing my tweets five times before I send them out. Um, and, you know, at, at this point, it's like, can't do that. Oh, oh, to myself to do better than that. I remember I had a meeting with a uh, with an executive from from NBC. It's been four or five years ago, and uh, she was asking me like how I use social media and such. I said, "Well, you know, I, I'm not trying to fire from the hip nearly as much, and and uh, you know, trying to you know keep it polished and, and whatnot." And and uh, she said, well, "Why why are you being that way?" And she said, "If you put out a video of you dancing out there or something, you're having a good time. That's what people want to see. They want to see you be the." be you, be yourself. Um, you know, I mean, it's, you don't want to put anything out there that's, you know, illegal or something, you know, you know, definitely don't want to put a video out there. You selling drugs or something like that, but, um, you know, but be yourself. And that's what people want to see. You know, the, uh, the number one thing that people want besides money is authenticity. And I think we owe it to them to be authentic, to be real, you know, every day, whether it's my podcast or doing TV work or whatever, I try to do two things. My goal every day is to entertain and inform. And if I, if I've done those two things, it's been a successful day. Yeah. Your, uh, your points there got me thinking I should change my, my profile picture to that picture of me in Bricktown. Oh, in Bricktown. Well, not not Bricktown. No, no, we need you, uh, at a hotel Indigo, a picture there. If I can get people to go out, geez, I, that's, that's another thing too. I was asking my friends in Tulsa, like, "Hey, what are you guys doing this week?" He's like, well, "We're staying in. We don't want the virus." I was like, "Okay, that's fine. I, I get okay, it. I respect yeah. that." The, the Corona Bros, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, yeah. That's a that's a discussion for another time. <laughs> and, and we talk about. It. I, I was listening to. Um, I'm on this board of advisors for. A, I don't want to say talent management, but like talent search engine website i know the guy from st louis i i'm on his board and i listen to what people have to say there was a conversation that a couple local news directors had and authenticity was key they people want to know where you're from what you like what you do and then the big thing for local news this year that they should be prioritizing i know cbs is doing this and sinclair and gray probably as well it's about streams this year it's all about getting streaming streaming revenue and maximizing uh the time that you uh engage so you and me both we got to have good streaming years this year streaming and uh, got to keep people there got to keep people uh give reason for them to stay you know i mean they uh they look at all those metrics of okay was it a three second view or did they stay a while and so um what you can do to keep that that person uh there you know in radio they always told us that the average listener only listens about 15 minutes at a time that, uh, you know, it's while they're on their way to work or going to grab lunch or picking up the kid, whatever. So what can you come up with in a 15 minute time frame that's going to keep that person there that maybe they'll stay in the car a little longer or 
maybe they'll go ahead and turn it on when they head in the house or something like that. Same can be said for, you know, streaming and the streaming content is what are you going to do to engage your audience, give them reason to stay. Mm-hmm. I know for me, when I was listening to Tulsa sports talk radio, it was about two or three minutes I gave them. And if it was RJ young, it was 10 seconds. Um, you're still in it's still too much time, <laughs> but they could rather say, okay. So, uh, you're still in Omaha, Nebraska. How long are you going to be in that historic city? Oh, I'll be here for a bit. You know, there's, uh, I enjoy my time here. It reminds me a lot of Tulsa, a lot colder though. And, uh, so just making the most of the time I, I have here. None of us are guaranteed tomorrow. So just, uh, living every day that I can to enjoy my time here and, it's uh, it's been right out of year since I, I've lived here in Omaha, and it's uh, been tremendous. You know, I, my first job out of college, I was working for KLWN in Lawrence, Kansas, and uh, we were a the, the flagship station of uh, you know, the Kansas Radio Network, and we weren't owned by the school. We were, you know, a a, a commercial radio station, but it felt like my first couple of years there, even though I was working for a commercial station and such, that I was still like in college of sorts. I felt like I was just, I was in college working a job, just not going to class. And so this, to me, this last year, I felt like I've grown as a person because I'm finally seeing what life is like outside of college town, you know, in, in a decent market and such and starting my life here. You know, when, when I was at KU, uh, you know, when, after I finished there and started KLWN, the couple of years I was there, I was still having people come up and tell me, so, so what's school been like? How, how's things go there? I'm like, I've been out of school two years, man. You know, I mean, I, I just happened to live there and work a job. So that to me, it's been a uh, whole new experience than anything I've ever done before, both personally and professionally. 2021, I know it sucked for a lot of people, but for me, it was the best year of my life on uh, all ends. And I expect even more in 2022. It's great that you like Omaha and you love that life independently out on your own. However, there is no place like home, and I'm glad that you acknowledge your roots, still come back to Tulsa, enjoy Broken Arrow in that town. So I'm glad that you've got the best of both worlds right now. Yeah, I do. I'm six hours away. I still go home whenever I need to. Um, I don't picture myself living in Tulsa again, uh, at least anytime soon anyway, but uh, certainly glad to be from there and w- what it built me as a person. You know I mean? Um and where, where I'm at today is a large part, you know, who I am because of my roots there in, in uh, Broken Arrow and, and uh, you know, being a part of that community. They certainly uh, instilled in me a lot to where I am now. Go Tigers. Tyler, where can people find your stuff? The easiest way is uh, check me out on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that at Tyler Jones Live. I'm posting work updates, uh, you know, what's going on in my, uh, you know, my downtime and such, kind of just all over the place, giving you bringing my world to yours and uh, Jones report out each and every Thursday on Apple, Spotify, and Google podcasts. Certainly check that out. And all our shows within the studio soapbox network, we have a five day a week lineup, uh, whether it's this show with Luke on, uh, on Tuesdays, my show on Thursdays, uh, David Starr on his racing show on Wednesdays and coach Bo's out on Mondays and Fridays. So uh, we certainly appreciate folks and got some great stuff up the pipe in 2022 that we'll be announcing here pretty soon. So Keep tabs on that, and uh, we're going to have a great year. I'm excited about it, and Luke, I'm glad to have you a part of this team, man. You're a tremendous talent, great friend, and, uh, you know, when uh, when Luke told me he was leaving Fox 23 and such, um, immediately I thought, man, Luke would be great to have on, but I, I don't think I could get him. And, uh, you know, as time went along and you know, we grabbed dinner one night, you know, I, I figured, 
figured, okay, you know what, maybe we can make this happen. And your show has been a, a good success, you know, off to a good start. And there's a lot more good stuff to, to go with this show and the other shows. Certainly excited to have you on board, Luke. Appreciate the time. Thanks for having me as always, Ben. Yes. Thank you. Take care.